Amen. Thank you. If you have your Bible this morning, we're turning to uh, Paul's second letter to Timothy, please. Second Timothy in chapter 2. Second Timothy and chapter 2. And whenever you get your Bible open there, we're just going to bow for a moment of prayer. And you ask the Lord to speak to you this morning. And you ask the Lord, as we've been singing, to have his own way. Thou art the potter, but we are the clay. Second Timothy chapter 2. And we're just going to bow together, please, for a moment of prayer. We'll still ourselves before the Lord this morning. Father, we bow again in thy most holy presence. And Father, we come to thee just now as we open your word. And Lord, I stand before thee totally insufficient. And I ask, Lord, this morning that thou will come and fill me with thy spirit. And Lord, I pray this morning that thou will speak to every single one of us. And Lord, I cry this morning that this little hall will be filled with the presence of our God. We give thee that invitation this morning. We come against, Lord, every spirit and everything that would seek to hinder in this meeting. And we bind it in the name of our God. And Father, we cry this morning from the depths of our soul, Oh, that thou would render the heavens and come down. And Lord, that thou would move in this meeting, that your Son may get all of the glory. We ask it in the Savior's precious and worthy name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Whenever Paul was penning this second letter to young Timothy, he was imprisoned and he was sentenced to death under Nero. And his attention went to this young man, Timothy, the son in the faith. If you cast your eye to verse 1, it says, Thou therefore my son. And it was way back in Lystra in Acts chapter 16, whenever the apostle Paul led young Timothy to the Lord. And I want you to see this old saint of God now in the damp, cold, dark dungeon in Rome. And he's coming to the end of his days. And his mind turns again to Timothy. His mind goes again to this young man. And he seeks to instruct him and to encourage him to go on with God. In this chapter that we're looking at this morning, there's seven pictures that the Apostle Paul paints for young Timothy. I haven't got time to go through them this morning, but whenever you get a chance during the week, you look at them yourself. The first picture that the Apostle Paul painted for Timothy, cast your eye to verse 3, is that of a soldier. He says there in verse 3, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Now the first thing that comes to my mind, and I'm sure your mind, when we think about a soldier, a soldier is there to fight. And I have said many times before in this corner that the children of God are described as sheep in the flock. They're described as sons in the family. But we're also described as soldiers in the fight. If you cast your eye to verse 4, it says, No man that warreth. And that word warreth there is the word to be in the battle. Now you'll not be saved too long. You'll not be on the road with God too long until you discover 
that you and I as the children of God are in a battle. We face a threefold foe. We face the world, the flesh, and the devil. Every day they're relentless. They come again and again and again. Now you'll remember what the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 6. He said, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness. And every day you and I as the children of God get out of our bed, we face the foe, we face the threefold foe. We come as a soldier into the fight, into the battle. Way back in 1 Timothy chapter 6, the Apostle Paul tells Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. Now I want to ask you a question this morning as a child of God and as a servant of God. I want to ask you, are you in the fight? Are you in the battle this morning? Are you taking on the enemy? Are you waging war on the devil? Are you a threat to the enemy this morning? It was Fanny Crosby who penned that mighty hymn, Onward Christian Soldiers Marching As to War, Looking On to Jesus Who Is Gone Before. Not only is a soldier meant to fight, a soldier is meant to be free. Cast your eye to verse 4. It says, No man that warreth entangleth himself in the affairs of this life. You know, if a man is in the trenches, as we've been remembering this morning, those men that went out over the, over the parapet, over into no man's land, there was no use in them playing around with a rope or getting entangled in the trenches. Whenever the battle cry was to come, they had to be free to go. And I want to say this morning, dear friend, and I believe this is the heart of God this morning, that many of God's people are entangled in the affairs of this world. Many of God's people are tied up and are of no use to God. Whenever the battle cry comes in the family, whenever the battle cry comes in the church, whenever the battle cry comes in your life, you're entangled. It's too late. I'll tell you, dear friends, you could be entangled in your business this morning. You could be entangled in some relationship this morning. You could be entangled in some organization this morning. You could be, in, in, you could be uh, entangled uh, in some political persuasion this morning. And all because of that, you're entangled and you're no use in the battle. No use. You'll remember whenever the Lord Jesus stood in John chapter 11 and he, he raised Lazarus from the dead. You'll remember how he told them to take away the stone and he cried, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus did come forth. But it says there that he came forth and his hands were bound, bound hand and foot. And I wonder this morning as a child of God, are you bound? This is what the Lord Jesus said, loose him and let him go. And I fear this morning, dear friends, that so many of us are entangled in the affairs of this life. We're obsessed with our money. We're obsessed with our property. We're obsessed with our farm. We're obsessed with our organizations. Whenever the battle cry comes, we're entangled. It says there at the end of verse 4, if you cast your eye to it, 
It says there, no man that warreth and tangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. I was thinking during the week, what a mighty privilege it is that the God of heaven that would choose you and I to be soldiers in the fight for him. What a mighty privilege that is to be children of God, those of us that are saved in the battle, chosen by God. And I want to say, dear friends, this morning that it doesn't please God whenever you and I are entangled in the affairs of this world, so taken up with ourselves, so taken up with our family, so taken up with our organization and our business that we're of no use to God. Loose him and let him go. I wonder, is there a man in this meeting this morning and you're bound and you know it? God has been trying to get his hand upon you and you're of no use to God because you're bound. Can you see Lazarus coming out of the grave? He was alive. But he came out and he was bound with his hands and his foot. He couldn't move. He wasn't liberated. He was of absolutely no use. Loosen and let him go. I wonder what's binding you this morning. Not only is a soldier to fight and a soldier to be free, a soldier is to be faithful. It says there, endure hardness as a good soldier. And friend, again, this is what God is looking this morning, is men and women not only in the fight, and men and women that are free and available. He's looking men and women that are faithful. Men and women to push on. Men and women to go through with God in these days when iniquity is abounding and the love of the many, and that word is the love of the most, is waxing cold. No retreat, no, 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 no running, no surrender. Go on with God. Go on with God. But not only does he paint the picture of a soldier, he paints the picture of an athlete. In verse 5 it says, And if a man strive... Now that word strive, if you look at it, cast your eye to it in verse 5, is the word athleo. It's the word where we get our word athlete from. And you'll know very well, dear friends, whenever men and women are involved in athletics, it takes up their whole life. They're obsessed by it. And I can see the Apostle Paul telling young Timothy, he says, young Timothy, not only be a soldier that can fight, and can be free, and that is faithful. But he says, strive, put your all into it. Put your all into it. You know, I was thinking during the week, whenever the Apostle Paul penned in Hebrews chapter 12, he said, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. I'll tell you three things that you and I as athletes need to watch out for. Whenever an athlete or a runner is running in the Olympics, there's one thing that can happen to him, and there's this, he can be distracted. Can be distracted. He can get his eye off the goal. And I believe this morning that there's a man in this meeting, and you've got your eye off the goal. You've got your eye off the things of heaven and the things of God. They used to be there. Your eye and your desire used to be on the things of eternity, but now they're in the things of time, and you're taken up with your money. You've been distracted. 
No good to God. But not only can a man be distracted, he can be diverted. You see sometimes on the television, whenever they're running a race, the London Marathon, and they can come to a crossroads and they can take the wrong turn. And they've been diverted. I wonder, is there someone here this morning and during the week you've taken the wrong turn? You've been diverted. You're not with God the way you used to be. You're not running the race the way you used to run. Maybe it's a, a woman that's got you diverted. Maybe it's a man that's got you diverted. Maybe it's politics that's got you diverted. And no good to God. But not only can they be distracted and diverted, they can be disqualified. Paul said here, cast your eye to verse 5 again. He says, if any man strive for the mastery, let him, let him strive lawfully. Lawfully. Whenever I came back to the Lord in 2010, I used to meet Pat Kitchen one day a week. And Pat Kitchen used to tell me every Thursday morning, this is what he used to say, Stephen, don't let anything into your life that will disqualify you from blessing. Don't let anything into your life that will disqualify you from blessing. And friend, dear friend, this morning, let me say it again. So many of us have been diverted. So many of us have been distracted. So many of us have been disqualified. Some sin in our life. Slander will disqualify us. Unforgiveness will disqualify us. Resentment will disqualify us. Jealousy will disqualify us. Out of the race. No good to God. Is that why we're not seeing much happening? I believe it is. Not only did he want Paul, Timothy to be a, a soldier that endures and to be an athlete that strives, he wanted him to be a worker that labored. Cast your eye down to verse 6. He says, The husband man that laboreth, he must be partaker of the fruits. You'll remember what the Lord Jesus said as he looked out over the multitude in Matthew chapter 9. He looked out and he seen the multitude scattered as sheep without a shepherd. And it says he was moved with compassion. He said, the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will thrust out laborers into his harvest field. The Lord Jesus said in John 9, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh whenever no man can work. I want to ask you a question this morning. What did you do for God during the week? What did you do for God? This word labor here is a word to toil, to exhaustion. Toil to the point of death. The night cometh whenever no man can work. Friend, there's coming a day when your neighbor will die and they'll go out into hell. Have you ever told them? There's coming a day when your children will die and they may go down into hell and you maybe never prayed for them in a prayer meeting. I says Timothy, be a soldier that endures. Be an athlete that strives. And be a worker that labors. But then if you cast your eye, and this is what I want to speak on for a moment or two, to verse 20. 
It says in verse 20, But in a great house there are, are there not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself of these things, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified in meat for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Paul not only said, be a soldier that fights, an athlete that strives, and a worker that labors, he says, be a vessel to be used. I wonder this morning, do you want to be used by God? I wonder, is that your ambition this morning? Is that the goal in your life? Lord, I want you to use me. I want to be an instrument in the hand of God. We're only after singing, have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. I'll tell you, dear friends, if you turn with me for a moment to 2 Kings, 2 Kings and chapter 4. Some things that the Lord has really revealed to her own hearts about the vessel that God will use. 2 Kings chapter 4, please. And if you and I are going to be vessels that are going to be used by God, these are some things that we will have to be. And in these days, that's exactly what God is looking for, men and women to use. 2 Kings chapter 4, and cast your eye to verse 2. Get the place and read the word together. In verse 2 it says, And Elisha said unto her, that's the widow woman, What shall I do for thee? Tell me, what hast thou in the house? And she said, Thine handmaid hath nothing in the house save a pot of oil. Then he said, Go borrow vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels. Borrow not a few. And when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons, and shalt pour out into all the vessels, and thou shalt set aside that which is full. So she went from him and shut the door upon her, and upon her sons, who brought the vessels to her, and she poured out. The first thing that God is requiring in you and I this morning, if we're going to be vessels in the hand of God, wait for it, listen to it. He wants us to be empty. Empty vessels. Look at that lovely verse in verse 3. He said, Go borrow vessels, abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels. Empty vessels. These vessels that this woman was going to get not only were empty, but they were available. I can see these two sons as they go through the little village or hamlet and they knock on the door. Have you got any vessels? Oh, we have here. Take as many as you want. And these vessels that God was going to use, listen to it, they were available. Friend, I want to ask you a question this morning. Are you available to God? It's not ability that the Lord's looking for. It's availability. I'll tell you this morning in Northern Ireland, we have more gift than any other country. We have plenty of ability. 
But there's very few of us that are available for God to use. We're tied up. We're entangled in the affairs of this life. And I believe this morning in this little hall that there's men and women and God would use you if you would let him use you. Fathers and mothers in this assembly, and if God could get his hand upon you, lock, stock, and bar, he would use you mightily. But you're not available. Not available for God to use. These vessels were different sizes, different shapes, different colors, but they all were available. Available for God. You'll remember whenever the Lord Jesus was going up into Jerusalem, he told two of his disciples to go into the little hamlet and to get a colt. There was a colt and it was tied by two ways. And that little colt, it was redeemed because a colt, whenever it was born, if a, if a lamb didn't die for it, they had to break its neck. And that little colt that was standing at the crossroads, the place where two ways met, it was redeemed. A lamb had died for it just like you this morning. The Son of God died for you. He bought you. He shed His precious blood for you. But let me say this, that little colt not only was redeemed, it was restricted. It was tied. Friend, I want to ask you this morning from, a, from the heart of the Lord, what's tying you? What is it? What's tying you this morning? What has you all bound up? Maybe it's the fear of man that brings a snare. Maybe it's your pride and self-importance. And you're tied up and God can't use you and he would love to use you this morning. But you're tied. And the Lord told his two disciples, he said, go, go and find the colt that's tied. And this is what he said, loose him, for I have need of him. Friend, we're living in a dark day. We're in the last days. I'm not a prophet, nor the son of a prophet, but I would say boldly this morning, this is the last generation that the church will be here. I believe at any moment the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and the Lord will take us out. And so many of us are tied. No use to God. And men and women this morning are going into hell. Men and women are perishing this morning. Men and women that you and I work with and that you and I live with. And God can't use us because we're tied. The colt was redeemed. The colt was restricted. But it was released. Loose him and let him go for I have need of him. Loose him. Back to the vessels. In Second Kings, if those little vessels could have spoke, you know what they would have said? Here am I. Send me. Here am I. Send me. You remember Moses. 80 years of age. He maybe thought he was too old for God to use. Maybe that's what you think this morning. He was away out in the backside of the wilderness at the bottom of Mount Horeb. And you'll remember how the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a burning bush. The bush was on fire, but it wasn't consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside and see this great sight. And whenever Moses turned aside, the angel of the Lord spoke. He said, Moses, Moses. And this is what Moses said, here am I. Here am I. 
And Moses, at 80 years, an old man, was available for God to use. And the Lord did use him, and he was one of the mighty deliverers in Israel. Do you think that God couldn't use you? Maybe God can't use you this morning. What about young Samuel? Moses was an old man. Samuel was only a young boy. He lay his head on the pillow one night and you remember how the voice of God came clear. Samuel! Samuel! And after that, after going into Eli, this is what he said, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. Samuel was available. Maybe God's been speaking to you, but you're not available. What about Amos? Amos was a man from Decoa, way out in the hill country. Amos wasn't an old man or a young lad. I'll tell you what Amos was. Amos was just a nobody. Nobody knew anything about him. No one was interested in Amos. And this is what Amos said. He says, I wasn't a prophet, nor the son of a prophet. He said, I was a herdsman that gathered sycamore fruit. And he said, the Lord took me as I followed the flock. Oh, friend, this morning, as you and I are on the brink of eternity, would you not let God take you this morning? Would you not let the hand of God be laid upon your life? Would you not be fed up with just your own agendas and say, Lord, in the last few days that I have, I want to burn out for God? Amos was like a mightily used in the hand of God. Amos was a nobody. God used him. Then there's a young woman that God used. Wonder is there a young woman here and God wants to use you? She was by the name of Mary, only a young girl, young woman. An angel of the Lord came to Mary and he told her, he says, you're going to have a child. He said, the Holy Ghost will come upon thee. The power of the highest shall overshadow thee and that Holy One that is born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Oh, Mary, she could have said, but Lord, I've got my own plans. Lord, I've got my own ambitions and my own desires. But this is what Mary said. Only a young girl, listen to it. Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to his word. One translation has it like this. I belong to God, body and soul. Let him do with me as he pleases. That's good talk, isn't it? Friends, with all of our theology in Northern Ireland and with all of our teaching in Northern Ireland, there's not too many Marys among us. Not too many Marys. There's not too many Amoses. There's not too many men like Moses want to go through with God today. What about Paul? Paul wasn't an old man or a young lad. He wasn't really a nobody either. He wasn't a young woman. I'll tell you what he was. He was just saved. Wonders there's someone in the meeting this morning. You're not long saved. My Paul in the Damascus road got a vision of Christ. The one who died and shed his precious blood. And this is what Paul said. Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the mighty apostle Mighty man of God, penned 14 epistles in our New Testament, blazed a trail across Europe. Friend, what God did with Paul, do you not think he could do for you? What God did for Amos, do you not think he could do for you if he could get his hand upon you this morning? But you're tied, you're bound, you're restricted, you're redeemed. Would to God you were released this morning. Entangled in the affairs of this life. 
I'm glad David Brainerd was available for God. He went away out into the north of America, into the Indians, where no one else wanted to go, and Brainerd, only a young man in his late 20s, died out among the North American Indians, seen a mighty move of God. You know why? It wasn't his ability. It was just because he was available. What about Livingstone who went down and carved a track through Africa? Wasn't his ability. No, friend, it was just that he was available. Would to God that you would be available this morning. All tied up. The Lord told you this morning to go and see a neighbor off. Lord, I can't go. Not do it. All tied up. All entangled. No good to God. Oh, friend, I have a fear. The fear of God came upon me during the week. Imagine standing before the Lord at the judgment seat. And that's the next thing that's going to happen whenever the Lord comes back. Straight to the beamer. What did you do for me? What did you do for me? Oh, no, no 30 years, 40 years that I gave you. Oh, Lord, I was all bound up. I was all restricted. I was all chained. I was tied. Lord, I was of no use to God. Some of you here this morning are saved 40, 50 years. And you're still tied at the place where two ways meet. And you know what the Lord's saying this morning? Loose him. Loose her. And let her go. For I have need of them. Friends, you'll be able to reach somebody that I can't. You'll be able to speak to somebody that Bertie or Robert can't. God has something for you to do. But I want to ask you this morning. And you may not speak to me after this message. But I want to know why are you not doing it? What is it that's binding you this morning? What is it that's holding you? But not only were these vessels available, I'll tell you, friends, they were suitable. They were suitable. It says in verse 3, and we mentioned it earlier on, they were empty vessels. Empty. Isn't that one of the reasons why you and I aren't used as much as we should be? Is because we're so full of self. Full of self. So full of our own self-importance. So intoxicated with me, myself and I. God can't use it. Do you know the Lord laid it in my heart this morning? If I stand behind this pulpit to try to out-preach our brother Bertie or try to out-preach your brother Robert, God will not use me. I would only be full of self if I was doing that. If I was to stand in that prayer meeting on a Wednesday night and stand and cock my shoulders and stand and pray to be heard and get an amen, God will not use me. Full of self-importance. I heard a minister during the week and he was saying there was somebody in the congregation and the minister went to see one of the other women. Oh, he rang her, but he didn't ring me. That's self-importance and God will not use you. Oh, did you see him speaking to her at the door, but he never spoke to me? That's self-importance and whenever that's there, God will not use you. Oh, he went and visited them and called it there. He didn't visit me. Friends, that's self-importance. Full of self. And I'll tell you, God will not use us if we're like that. Full of self. Hear me preach. Hear me pray. See how well I can do the tracks. See how well I can knock the doors. See how well I can go and visit. I'll tell you, friends, God will not use any of us if we're intoxicated with self like that. 
He'll pass us by and take away Amos from the hills that no one else has known anything about. You read Obadiah. Obadiah, that small portion of the word of God, the minor prophet. He talks about the Edomites. They were the inheritance of Esau. And they were so lifted up with pride. And this is what the Lord says. He says, I will bring you down. What an awesome thing that is, friends. For God to bring us down. Thinking that we're the, we're the, we're the full cheese. Look at me. Hear me. God will say, well, you, you behave like that if you want, but I'm not going to use you. I'm not going to use you. Wasn't that what was wrong with the church of Laodicea? My, they said we are enriched and increased with goods and have need of nothing. They didn't even need God. The Lord says, I'll spew you out of my mouth. But know you not that you're, you're naked, you're miserable, you're wretched and you're blind. I'll tell you how Paul dealt with self. This is how the Apostle Paul dealt with his old self. He said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ that liveth in me. Oh, would to God that Stephen Riddle would just die and then God would use him as he would need to use me. Oh, that you and I would die to our self-importance. And let the hand of God be laid upon us and blaze a trail across this land for God. Full of self. Can't be used. Not only were the empty vessels, I'll tell you friends, they were clean. Clean vessels. You'll remember whenever a godly Isaiah, mighty man of God, if you had asked Isaiah to describe the attributes of God, he could have done it in a wonderful way, in a lovely way. And this is what Isaiah said. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon his throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. And the next verse down he says, And then said, I woe is me, for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. And here was Isaiah doing things for God. And when he got a vision of the holiness of God, he realized that he was unclean in the sight of a holy God. Couldn't be used. Couldn't be used. Oh, friend, this morning let me probe you as I have probed my own heart. Is that why you and I are not being used? You're not clean. Tinkering at something and you're not clean and God will not use you. You can have all the gift that you want. And you can know Genesis to Revelation off by heart. But friend, if you're not clean, God will not use you. He'll not use you. If you have an cl unclean mind, God will not use you. <laughs> if your money's unclean, God's not going to use you. You remember what the psalmist said? He says, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart. And has not lifted up a soul unto vanity or sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing of the Lord. Clean hands and a pure heart. Whenever David committed sin with Bathsheba, a few months later, this is what he penned. He said, Oh, but thou desirest truth in the inward parts. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. 
Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. And in verse 13, this is what he said. Then shall I teach transgressors their ways and sinners shall be converted. He knew that God couldn't use him whenever he wasn't clean. He wasn't clean. Friend, let me say this to you this morning. Sir, if you're involved in pornography, you can pray night and day, but God will not use you. If you have a filthy eye and a filthy mind, God's not going to use you. Indeed, he's not. He'll take away Amos from the hills and use him. Not suitable. Not suitable. Whenever Paul was writing to young Timothy, he said, flee, flee, youthful lust. Abhor that which is evil and cleave to that which is good. You remember whatever the Apostle James said, draw nigh unto God and he will draw nigh unto you. You know I've quoted that for years in a prayer meeting. I never bothered reading the end of it, but this is what it says. Draw nigh unto God and he will draw nigh unto you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. I'll tell you, friends, when we regard iniquity in our heart, the Lord will not hear us. He's not going to hear us. Oh, you could be available this morning. But if you're not suitable, God will not use us. That's why the Apostle James, or Apostle John, he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's why whenever you went into the tabernacle and went by the altar, the first thing that met you was a laver full of water. We needed to be clean clean. The writer to the Hebrews said, all things are open and naked before the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Oh, friend, I have no pleasure in preaching this because it burned in my own soul. But what are you and I doing that are not clean? Not clean. God can't use us. Not only were they empty and not only were they clean, I'll tell you what a vessel will need to be. They'll need to be obedient. Now just hold on, I'm coming to an end. They'll need to be obedient. We hear so much today about obedience and compliance. But friend, if God is going to use me or if he's going to use you, we will need to obey God. One of the other pictures in 2 Timothy was that of a servant. He described himself as a slave. Now, just hold on, because what I'm going to say now may annoy some of you. I hear a lot of believers today, and you know what to say, the government's not going to tell me what to do. I've got my liberties, and I've got my rights, and no one has the right to tell me what to do. That may be right, but there's many in this hall this morning, and you're saved, and God can't even tell you what to do. There's friends, some in this hall this morning and God has been telling you for years to be baptized. You know what you're saying? I've got my rights and my liberties. I'll do what I want. God will not use you. God will not use me, friends, if I'm disobedient to the Word of God. Oh, the government will not tell me and God will not either. Friends, whenever we get obedient, we sing it all the time, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. Maybe that's why you're not happy but to trust and obey. Liberty's gone. 
The day that I got saved and made the Lord Jesus Christ the Lord of my life, you know what happened? Not only did my sin go, but my liberties were meant to go. I was meant to become a bond slave of Jesus Christ with no will of my own, no right of my own. Now let me ask a question. How many of us live like that in Northern Ireland? How many of us are like that this morning in this hall? Then we wonder why God's not moving. Why God's not saving. Oh, friends, I wonder this morning, can God use many of us? You'll remember what Paul said to King Agrippa. Whenever he stood before the king, this is what he said, I was not disobedient. Not disobedient. Friend, let me say this again. I'm going to get into trouble this morning, but I don't care. 90% of you will walk out of this meeting and turn your back on the table. You know what you are. <laughs> You're disobedient. If you prove to me otherwise, I'll believe it. But friend, you tell me that God's going to use you. Come on now. God would love to use you. God would love to use you now. But then you'll say, I've got my own liberties and I'll do things the way I want. God can't use you. Finally, not only were these vessels available and not only were they suitable, they were reliable. You know, this wee woman wasn't going to pour oil into a vessel that had a hole in the bottom of it. This woman wasn't going to pour oil into a vessel that was going to leak. And friends, God will not use me and he'll not use you if we're going to steal the glory. If you and I are going to be used by the hand of God and see souls saved and see mighty answers to prayer, God will not use us if we say, well, it was my prayer or my ability. Remember Uzzah? Uzzah lived in his father's house for 20 years with the Ark of the Covenant. Whenever they're bringing the Ark out of the house of Obadiah or Abinadad, they came to the threshing floor and the, the cart at Shuklika, and he put out his hand and touched it. He touched the glory. He touched the glory. And he died in the presence of God. Paul said, he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Paul didn't touch the glory. Now let me ask you, as I finish, is God going to use you? Come on now. God going to use you? Can God get his hand upon you? Are you suitable this morning? Are you a candidate for blessing this morning? Are you available? Are we reliable? Are we going to be what Paul says, a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use? And prepared unto every good work. Friend, I don't want to go out of this old scene of time being an old, dead, carnal believer that God can't use. I want God to use me. I was praying that every day during the week. Lord, will you put Stephen Riddle into the place where you can trust me with blessing? Make me clean, Lord. Make me empty. May I be obedient, suitable, available, and reliable. And friends, if we fall into that category, I'll tell you what he did with Amos, what he did with Mary, what he did with Moses, what he did with Paul. He'll do for you in the lifeboat this morning. Let us pray.
We're just going to still our hearts before the Lord for a moment now. And I want to ask you to ask yourself that question. Lord, can you use me? Father, we bow in the presence of God. Lord, how you've spoken to our own hearts concerning vessels, sanctified and meet for the Master's use. And I pray this morning, O God, that you will raise up men and women out of this assembly that you can use that we will be available for God, suitable, clean, and empty, and reliable, and obedient. Lord, we want to see this land turned back to God. And I pray, Lord, that you will use us to glorify your Son. Pray for those that are tied this morning, those that are bound, we pray, Lord, that you'll loose them and you'll let them go. We ask it in the Savior's name. Amen. We're standing to our feet, please, and singing five, three, four. Five, three, four. The chorus says, Channels only, blessed Master, but with all thy wondrous power flowing through us, thou canst use us every day. And every hour, verse 3 says, Empty that thou shouldest fill me, a clean vessel in thy hand, with no power but as thou givest, graciously at each command. Stand into our feet, please, and sing this on to the Lord.